0: Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. A long time ago, when I was a wee little lad, I got to go to Carlsbad Caverns. Has anybody ever been there before? All right. Oh, good number. Awesome. Yeah, so my memory, though, is like, because I was so young, it's like one megapixel worth of, like, data. Like, I have one little mental image, memory of Carlside Cavern. But years and years later, um, I got to go to Leray Caverns. Same question, who's been to Leray down in Virginia? A couple more hands, all right, yeah, Shenandoah Valley down there in Virginia. It's a really nice tour. If you ever headed down uh, Interstate 81, that that will bring you pretty close to it. I recommend taking the time, check out Leray Caverns. It's a really nice tour. You get to walk on it, uh, you know, a nice walkable path. You don't need to climb or anything like that. It's very friendly. It's well lit. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Here's a, a picture of Luray Caverns that I stole off the internet here. But um, it's just, it's, it's amazing how beautiful, something that's supposed to exist in darkness. Um, but when you get under there, um, you're actually looking at like a, a pond or a pool, like like, that, that's a reflection. Part of that is a reflection on the screen. Like, it's just, it's amazing how much uh, beauty uh, you can find when you're underground looking at rocks, right? It's just amazing. Um, uh, part of the tour, they, they, uh, they turn off all the lights, and they, they prepare you for it. It's not like you don't get duped or something, but they turn off all the lights, and they, it, you get to experience cave darkness, And it is just wild, like you cannot see a thing. And uh, it it, it can be disorienting the the longer you're in the cave. um, It can be unsettling. Um, When I was doing research for this sermon, I I read something briefly. It was something about like, there was a study where people lived in a cave, in cave darkness with no light. And I guess they could measure heartbeats and stuff like that. Or they could tell when somebody was sleeping. And one of the, the subjects thought they took a 30-minute nap or a 10... I don't, it was, they thought they just took a nap, and here they were asleep for like 30 hours or something. Like, I, I don't know. It was, just, it was wild. It was ridiculous. Um, they just have no concept of time. Just... It can be so disorienting. And so just like, you know, real darkness can, can mess us up, because we're, we're creatures who, who typically enjoy light... Like cave darkness, the darkness of sin and wrongdoing can also bring so much disorientation. Just it, it can just feel so like suffocating. In the Bible, darkness is a metaphor for sin, uh, for 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 trouble, for for evil, uh, foolishness. You know, it's, uh, a lack of light is not good. A lack of illumination. When, when there's no hope, when there's no good word, when it just kind of seems like uh, it's just chaos and it's, it's frustration. And, you know, darkness, we can have dark thoughts, dark attitudes, dark emotions, which lead to dark behaviors, and so on and so on. Now, maybe some of you this morning, you're, you've been feeling the darkness creeping in a little bit. Maybe this morning, the weekend, the past week, the past couple of months, the past year. Have has been feeling dark? You know, that's kind of like an introspective question there. Or perhaps you've been getting into things that you haven't been getting... You're not supposed to be getting into, and now, now you're definitely feeling the darkness and the weight of that. You've been ignoring God, and now you're feeling it. You know, how... Bright or dark is your spiritual life right now, church? How would you rate it on a scale of bright to dark? Where is your spiritual life at? If your spiritual life is a little fuzzy, and it's a little dark, a little gloomy, if you're struggling with some sins and and, and, and everything that, that comes with that, please know you're not alone, and you are in a great place. You're welcome here and I believe that God has you here listening to this sermon for a reason. And I believe if you're willing to listen in, if you're willing to lean into this message this morning, God's not going to waste your time. <clears throat> so, a long time ago. And I'm talking a long time ago. Way back in the 8th century BC, we find God's people living in darkness. Okay? God's people are living a sinful life. All right, time out. Everyone sins. Like, that's part of the human nature. Like, we, we get that. But here's the thing. Like, God's people, though, they were given the law. They were given commands and code, codes of ethics. And God has prescribed, hey, this is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to worship. Here's, here's like, here's my, my, my framework that will lead you to have a flourishing life, okay? God has given his people... All of this, a prescribed way of living, and they are just rebelling against that, okay? And this is where we find God's people. It's abandonment. They are despising God. They're rejecting God. They're turning their backs on God. And there's a metaphor in the Old Testament to kind of describe this sinful state, the, the, the sins of the people. It's kind of like having wounds. That don't heal, festering wounds. Ew, right? Like like when when something is is a it's, it's not just a sore, but it's a festering sore. It's starting to smell bad. It's not looking good, right? The the, the whole head is sick. The whole like everything's just wrong. Every, Israel is running a fever. And keep in mind, Israel is also very religious. They're still doing their whole religious thing. And so really, there's just like a bunch of hypocrisy going on. They are just pretending. They are just pretending. And it's a really messed up situation. Now, God has called this man named Isaiah. And God has gifted this man with with prophetic gifting. He, He calls him to be a prophet. Meaning he is going to speak on behalf of God. He's going to be God's mouthpiece. And Isaiah gets this job that I wouldn't really want to do, but it, you know, it's the whole like God's going to call you to do it, and he, you know, Isaiah answers that call. He lives in Jerusalem, and he has to go speak to leaders. He has to speak to the people, and he has to tell them how they're living. He has to point out some things, and everyone loves. Hearing from others when they're not doing something right, so this is this is going to go well for Isaiah, right? <laughs> Here's his message. It's it's a message of warning. It's a message of judgment, but there's also a mixture of of hope mixed into Isaiah's messages. Yeah, if you have your Bibles open to Isaiah, we'll be referencing uh, the Advent readings here shortly. But in Isaiah chapter one. Verses sixteen and seventeen. Part of Isaiah's message is a is a call for repentance. Repentance. Turn, like you guys are turning away from God. Turn back to God. That's turn. Turn yourself around. Stop doing wrong. Okay, like tro- stop trying to pick up a turd by the clean end. You know. <laughs> Sorry. That's like you know. You know what I mean? Like it's like stop messing around i can't believe i just said that that's that's something i say you know when when it's just like you're you're messing around in the dirt and so isaiah he's saying like get yourself cleaned up learn to do what's right okay defend the oppressed take care of the orphan take care of the widow it sounds very jesus-y right yeah, because this is the heart of God. The heart of God coming through Isaiah, trying to reach the, the people who are supposed to be in, falling in love with God's character, and they're just completely botching it. And now Isaiah, he's trying to get the heart of God, and it comes through this message of, of repentance, this message of, hey, repent and turn back to God. And there's all these warnings, and there's judgment coming, or it could come, okay? Isaiah uses... Uh, prophetic imagery we find a lot of that in, in the prophets uh, this prophetic poetic ancient Hebrew literature and uh, one of the the images is Israel is seen as like this big tree and it's amazing it's supposed to be amazing but it's going to get chopped down. Israel will become like a chopped tree I forget what. Verse that is, it's in the first couple chapters of Isaiah. And uh, the imagery that we're, we're left with is this tree stump. Okay? Israel is going to get chopped down. In chapter 6, verse 13, this tree stump is referred to as the holy seed. The holy seed. Now, if we were like investing in an orchard, okay, and we, we come to this orchard, and there's just a bunch of chopped down trees, and then they, you know, it's like, okay, here's here's a, a tree stump, and you're like, this is our holy seed. Like, this is what we have going for us. A tree stump. And it's like, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And so Isaiah has to go to King Ahaz. He's the king of, of God's people at the moment. And he, he says, okay, you know what? Assyria is, is going to be the one who is going to do this. And we know from history, that came true. We know from the Bible, that came true. Assyria came in, they invaded, and they brought so much devastation. So not only do you have the moral issues going on, the the, the pretending false worship and messed up worship and the sin and the rejection of God, and so you have this whole moral darkness going on, the inner world of spiritual darkness, but there's now like this geopolitical, like military darkness that's going on as well. You have distress, gloom, chaos, fear. And Isaiah chapter 8, will the people turn to God? No, they do not. They're still not turning to God. We actually find out that they're turning to necromancy. Naturally, right? You know, uh, that's talking to dead things and dead people. Okay? So, what a portrait we have of what it looks like when we get so sunken down deep into darkness. We're always turning to something. And here we have Israel. They're turning to necromancy. We turn to death and dead things to find answers. We go deeper and deeper into the cave of darkness. And the cave is going to be a metaphor I'm going to continue to use throughout the message here this morning. All right? This is where we find the people of God at the end of Isaiah chapter 8. It's like they're going deeper and deeper into the cave. All right? More and more hopelessness. Hey, we need an answer. Okay, let's let's do another uh, seance and let's try to talk to. it. Uh, yeah, so what a portrait of what depression, oppression, sinful, just like like the dirt under your fingernails. Is it from you digging your own grave? And you're just digging and digging and digging, and you're going deeper and deeper into the cave. And it's like, wow, I thought this was going to be a Christmas message. I thought this was going to be an Advent message. Well, this is part of the background and the ancient prophecy behind the Christmas story. Dark things cannot make themselves light. Light is a gift from God. And one way to to talk about the gospel and the Christmas story is that there will be a cave rescue. God is going to bring light. Jesus is going to come. He's going to rescue and save us. There is hope in this dark world. Isaiah says that Jesus will come. That Emmanuel will come. God with us will come. This new king will arrive. From the stump of King David's family tree... The Messianic family, this new branch, will someday grow up and and lead. Someday rule justly. His kingdom will be utterly amazing. And this king from the stump of Jesse. Like we're we're almost hopeless, but there's this little shoot of of hope. You just have to imagine like a little branch coming out of this tree stump. In Hebrew, it's called a netzer, okay? When you chop down a tree, sometimes there's this last-ditch effort by the tree. Biology, I don't know how it works, but like, it shoots out this little growth. It's like, hey, we're still here. We're still trying to grow. That little shoot is Jesus. In the middle of this hopeless situation, Jesus is going to come. And that's what Christmas is. And, and, and Advent season is, is reminding ourselves of how dark things can be. Reminding ourselves of, of where we are in our spiritual journey. Recognizing that. It's, it's preparing for Jesus. It's, it's saying, hey, you know what? I need the hope of Jesus. I need the light of Jesus in my life. And I want that to be born again in me this year. Again, remind me remind me. So this Advent season, something we can do is is we can recognize our need for the light of Jesus. Isaiah nine verse two. The people are walking in darkness. Walking in darkness, okay? We've all stubbed our toes before we bumped into the the counter right when we can't see People walking in darkness, they'll stumble. They'll probably hurt themselves at some point. They'll hurt others. (laughs) Living in a land of deep darkness, Isaiah says. So it's not just darkness, but it's a land of deep darkness. Sounds very hopeless. It's the hopelessness of the human situation. But light will come. The dawn will break. It's so dark. But there's a little bit of light coming over the horizon. Dawn is coming. The sun will rise. People are going to see it. People are actually going to see it. Again, it's almost a hopeless situation. But the story of redemption is happening. And it's Jesus. And this is what Christmas reminds us. That that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the light of the world. We need Jesus. We need his grace. We need his mercy. We need his forgiveness. We need his wisdom. We also need his example and his guidance. And so in faith, it's like... We say yes to Jesus. We're in the cave of of darkness, and we see Jesus climbing through with his lantern, and then he says, hey, I'm here for you, child. And we say yes. We grab hold of Jesus. We call that salvation. We call that conversion. And so now we link up with Jesus, and in faith, we're with Jesus now, and we're going to follow him. And we are going to shape our lives around Jesus. Another word for that is called discipleship. Learning to live life the way Jesus would if he had our life, our resources, our time, our family, all of that. He is going to show us how to live. Now, there have been so many wayward kings and queens and and leaders and teachers throughout history. This is what we know from the Bible. This is what the Bible tells us. Jesus will be different. I can't force Jesus on you, okay? You have to believe that Jesus is the one worth following. You have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. Is he utterly amazing? Is he the one you want to follow? And if you want to follow Jesus, then you're going to have to listen to him. Which means you're going to have to be okay with Jesus asking you to change your mind on things because that's what repentance is changing your mind changing your heart which will lead you in a different direction so this Advent season repent and believe the good news repent and believe the good news turn to Jesus trust in this great news of hope and reconciliation, and redemption. Okay? In Matthew, in the New Testament, Matthew's writing down his gospel account. In Matthew chapter 4, he actually quotes Isaiah chapter 9, what we read for our Advent reading. He quotes Isaiah chapter 9, and what Matthew's trying to do, he's trying to show to his readers, like, hey, what Isaiah was talking about, he's linking that to Jesus. The light of In the land of darkness, hey, guess what? That is Jesus. Jesus is here. Jesus is the light. And so Matthew, he's linking the prophecy to Jesus' ministry. Jesus is the one who brings light in the land of the people living in darkness. And then immediately, after quoting Isaiah, Matthew gives us the summary statement of Jesus' message. It's repent and believe. The good news. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Other gospel accounts say. um, uh, The kingdom of God is arriving. So repent and believe. The good news. So we're not totally out of the cave yet. But light has come. Light is here. Light will continue to come. Light is breaking in. And so what we can do. Is we want to. Turn. Turn away from the darkness, and turn to the light. Another way of describing what discipleship is. I'm, di- I'm following Jesus. I'm discipling him. I'm a student. He's master. I'm turning away from darkness. I'm turning to the light. Jesus is the cave rescuer. And what he says to us every single He says, this cave does not need to be your tomb. Follow me. I am for you. I am with you. I have given my life to you. Follow me in faith. Follow me in hope. And someday you will make it out of the cave. And so this Advent season, let's, let's refresh ourselves with the character of Jesus. Refresh your hope. With the character of Jesus. Because in the cave. It's just a lot of confusion. There's a lot of foolishness. Going on that we can get ourselves into. A lot of distraction. A lot of false gods. A lot of temptations. A lot of lies. Lots of lies. But we turn to Jesus. Jesus. And he's described as a wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. He's wise. Jesus knows how to do life. Let's turn to him. In the cave, there's a lot of death. There's a lot of destruction. But we turn to Jesus. Isaiah describes him as an everlasting father. Okay, This fathering image. Fathers are life-giving, and they're protectors, providers. They're educators. They're encouragers. This life-giving, everlasting father. In the cave, there's death, but we turn to Jesus, and he gives us life. He gives us hope and encouragement. Again, he shows us how... He shows us how to do life. Let's follow him. In the cave, there's outrage. And there's violence. And there's hate. But we turn to Jesus. And he's all about peace. He is the prince of peace. And he wants to give peace to us. In the New Testament, Paul writes, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. As so I understand that Greek word there it's like let the peace of Christ be an umpire let it let it umpire your your heart it's going to call strikes it's going to call fouls let the peace of Christ rule in your heart in the cave there's a lot of pathetic godliness it's weak it's so weak in the cave, the darkness. People acting like they're strong. Like they, like they know what's going on. They have, they have all this wisdom. They have all the answers. They're chest puffed out. It's just pathetic godliness. And we turn to Jesus. Hey, let's know the way. Give us the answers. We want the truth. You are mighty God, as Isaiah would say. You are power. I want to be in the light. I want to follow you, Jesus. And so, at Christmas time, we celebrate that that Jesus came. Our everlasting, life-giving, wise, mighty but peaceful Jesus came to set things right. So, in hope, we look forward to the day when Jesus returns again and rules everything the way that it was intended to be. His shoulders can carry the power of leadership and weight of authority. Now, we live in a world where kingdoms come and go. Presidents and congresses change over and change is is everywhere. But in faith and in hope, you can know that Jesus' kingdom will not be shaken. The rule of Jesus will not be overthrown. And we can hope in this. That what you are giving your life to, folks, this big gospel story, giving your life to Jesus and and living in the kingdom, this is not for nothing. You are giving yourself to a kingdom that will not be shaken, to a king who will not be overthrown. There is no secret weapon that will outscore Jesus in the final seconds of the game, so to speak. Okay? We can trust in Jesus. The victory is His. Jesus came. He he will come again. We have our first Christmas someday. I don't know if we want to call it a second Christmas. There's a second coming. We live in the in between. But our faith, our hope, it doesn't override the realities of life. Because, yeah, we still get sad, we still have sorrow. We still have bills to pay. Trash still needs to be taken out. And so we, we look forward in hope, also recognizing, no, that, that doesn't just scrub away the realities of the present day. And so this Advent season, we get to participate. And one of the best ways that we can participate is we can pray. It's a good place to start. Uh, but don't stop there because you can do stuff as well. But today we'll just focus on prayer. Pr- prayer is an action requesting prayer for the continual inbreaking of the kingdom of Jesus. Or to use this cave metaphor, that, that his light will continue to come. Your light, your lantern, just may it shine bright, shine bright, shine bright. Just set the cave ablaze. Turn. All the darkness of the rocks actually into a beautiful just tapestry of, of all, the, all the minerals and, and the, the, the wonder of, of the beautiful cave. Like, let's see the beauty that, that is here, but we need the light to see it. And so may we start in prayer, in our prayer life. In prayer, we talk to Jesus. Because he's the one who's broken through the darkness. He's broken through the injustice and the suffering. He's broken through death. He's been to the other side. And so we get to talk to the one who's been to the other side and back. And in faith and in hope. We pray for peace. We pray for prosperity. Is it Jeremiah 29? Someone can help me out. When when Jeremiah encourages the people, hey, pray for the city. Pray for the city of Babylonia. Pray for its prosperity. Pray Pray for peace. Pray for prosperity wherever we're planted. Be the person of good news. Pray for justice. Be a person of justice. Pray for equity and righteousness. Pray that the light would come. That the light would come to our lives, to others, and to our world. And so may it come through our own life first. It's got to start with us. And what that looks like, is going to Jesus and being like, you know what? I'm done with the cave darkness. Expose the dark stuff. Bring it into the light. I want to turn away from the darkness, turning to Jesus in the corners of your heart. In the corner of your little world, right here in our little Plymouth meeting, Pennsylvania area, how can Jesus bring the light this Christmas season? In your life right now, how can hope, how can you help carry this message of hope in the Advent season? I'm going to put the responsibility on you as we close up. What are you going to do to let the light of Jesus shine in your life this Christmas season? What do you actually hope for? What do you actually desire? May the hope of Jesus be born again in you this Advent season. Let's pray.